the hymn for today is a multitude comes from the east and the west. You are listening to Rumination Tuesday, Law and Gospel on this October the 6th in the year of our Lord 2020. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and with me on the line is Pastor Mark Smith. Hi, Mark. Hi, Tom. How are you doing today? Pretty good. It's a hymn that's rarely sung. Yes. It was done by Magnus Brostrup Landstad. He was born in 1802, died in 1880, and he was a priest in the Church of Norway and considered an acclaimed scholar of Norwegian folk music. Uh, by the way, I have a little sore throat, so my voice isn't on right now. But in 1828, he was appointed the first parish in Gosdal, and the church's ministry of ecclesiastical affairs asked him to write a new hymnal for the Church of Norway. And he ended up finally doing that, and it was introduced in 1870 to 648 of the 923 parishes in Norway. But it needed to be translated. So the translator is Pier Olsen Stroma. He was born in 1856, died in 1921, born in Winchester, Wisconsin. And believe it or not, Mark, he attended Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. How about that? He uh, dealt with congregations in the Red River Valley of North Dakota and northern Minnesota. He served at one time seven congregations. And he's the translator of two of the hymns. The one, A Multitude, comes from the east and the west. And the other one is, On My Heart, Imprint Your Image. Oh, yes. So, you're familiar with that also. I'm at least familiar with the title of it, yes. Okay. So it's got four verses, if you would be so kind as to read the first one. You bet. A multitude comes from the east and the west to sit at the feast of salvation. With Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the blessed, obeying the Lord's invitation. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. And what do you think he's talking about, the Feast of Salvation? Well, he's talking about, uh, I would, uh, it, it seems to me to be the what we call the parousia, when, when our Lord comes again at, oh, at the excellent. end of days yeah. and uh, ushers in that new heaven and new earth for all believers. Yes, Magnus had suffered through a difficult childhood, and it should come as no surprise that one of his best hymn texts looks past the physical and emotional struggles of this life toward the promised feast to come in the next. And I don't know if you realized it, but there is a Bible passage this kind of follows. Yes. It's the feast uh, the parable of the great banquet from Luke 14, 15 to 24. 
And so right. the hymn, well, this first verse, it's not so much thankful or celebratory. Uh, it's a strange blend of confidence and the need for assurance of longing for and fear of what is to come. And this first stanza introduces the parable and is explained further through analogy and biblical cross-reference. It also comes from Matthew's account of the faith of the centurion whose servant was healed by Jesus. And uh, isn't that the one where Jesus says, I'll come with you, and the centurion says, no, just right. command it. And yeah. Jesus turns to his people and says, I haven't, I haven't seen faith like this in, in all of Israel. You know, the, yeah. the centurion was willing to just take Jesus at his promise. He didn't have to come under his roof to heal his servant. Just to, he, he believed implicitly in the promise of our Lord. Well said. Well, and you use the word that I love hearing, promise. Uh, for example, I, I, I've shared this, I think, even yesterday. But when I have somebody in Uber and we get talking theologically, you know, that's that taxi thing I do occasionally. Right. I'll ask them, do you believe in God? And most people say yes. And then my next question is, the God you believe in, what promise has he given you? And guess what, Mark? There's often silence. Yeah. Because <laughs> the American God doesn't have promises. He's creator yeah. in this kind of thing. And it's a great opening to start talking about the promises that we have been given by the true God and not by the God of American uh, Christianity, so to speak. Yeah, that's what the gospel is all about. And I'll tell you what, the fact that a lot of these people can't answer that question shows how void of promise uh, yes. so many of these religions are. Well said. There is nothing but promises from our God, which we call the gospel. So you have law and gospel. Law are demands from God. Promises are gifts that he's going to give the undeserving who believe in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. That really makes a difference, doesn't it? It sure does. In fact, that really brings us to the, to the refrain of each stanza. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. In other words, we don't deserve any of this grace and, and forgiveness and love and promise that you give us. It's by pure grace. Well, that is going to make me ask you once more the difference between justice, mercy, and grace. <laughs> okay, justice is, justice is when we, we get what we deserve. Uh, right. Grace is when we get something that we don't deserve. Yes. And mercy is when we uh, we don't get what we deserve. Excellent, have I get, excellent. Have I got that right? You got it right. I finally, and I finally learned to recall that. Mercy and grace are the two biggies in the biblical God that that's not found in any other religion, because in every other religion, they're dealing with a God of justice. He'll give you what you deserve. 
and people are afraid because if they recognize they're sinners, they have two options. They either turn to Christianity or they kind of turn to a kind of atheism in the true God. Okay, stanza two, please. Okay. O God, let us hear when our shepherd shall call in accents persuasive and tender, that while there is time, we make haste one and all and find him our mighty defender. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. Yes, this is really kind of interesting. This is a new kind of uh, imagery of Jesus as the what? As our, our shepherd. Excellent. The good shepherd. And it talks about that he has issued a broad invitation. You know, a lot of people think I need to accept that invitation and they think they need to create faith in their hearts. But CFW Walther gave a really interesting analogy of this. He says, let's say that you have a, a soup kitchen and someone comes in who hasn't eaten for two or three days and you invite him to eat. He's not going to look at you and say, oh, I don't like following commands. <laughs> He's not going to consider that a command. He's going to consider it an invitation. And then he either believes it's food or he doesn't. And if he believes it's food, he'll eat it. And that's what Christianity is like. It's not a command to believe. It's an invitation to believe. Yeah, and, and the, the thing is, see, a lot of people are going to think, well, you, uh, you followed that command, you, you ate, and uh, therefore you did something to earn your salvation. Not at all. That's, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's purely an invitation uh, to enjoy. And let me tell you, this is more, our salvation is much more than just a, a humble soup kitchen. It's, uh, it's like the song says, uh, like, like the, uh, the passages behind this hymn, it talks about an array of uh, a great feast uh, will be set up for, for all who listen to hear his voice and come. Yes. We're going to be having an interesting lesson, not this Sunday, but the following Sunday, about people are invited to the wedding and everybody comes or a lot of people come and then Jesus sees somebody who doesn't have a garment on, the wedding garment. Yes. And he removes him. And so the, the point of the sermon is, how do you know that you have the wedding garment on. And it's it's gonna be really interesting. I, I had a conversation for two hours last night with another listener and um, he's writing sermons and was asking me how I go about doing it. I say, you don't go to the commentaries. Uh, you finally can go to them after you're done studying. But the first thing you do, you read the English. And what you do, you try and read from the English translations where the theology contradicts Lutheran theology. And he gave me four verses that he's working on, and I found five things in there that appear to contradict Lutheran theology and the way people think commonsensically. And see, this would be one of them. 
God gives us an invitation. I obeyed his command. But it's not a command. That's right. It's an invitation. It's an invitation. Yes. It's, it's sit down, join us. Sit down at this array of this, this wondrous feast and eat. Take and yes. eat. Yes. And if you're hungry, you'll love to follow the invitation. And that's why law always precedes gospel, because the law shows people that they are hungry for a savior. And if they don't recognize that hunger, if they don't think they're sinful enough, then like many in Jesus' day, they won't listen to him. And Jesus was the best teacher of all time. And yet look at how many people disregarded what he had to say. And so once more, we preach the word of God as ably as we're able to law and gospel and let the spirit make people come to faith. Okay, how about the third stanza? Okay, the third stanza, you know, you're reminded, you're reminded in this third stanza of oh, the many, read, read many trials that uh, the writer underwent. All trials shall be like a dream that is past, forgotten all trouble and mourning. All questions and doubts have been answered at last when rises the light of that morning. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. You know, Tom, this, this verse reminds me, you know how good you feel after you have a terrible nightmare? You know, if you ever have a nightmare, you know how good you feel when you wake oh, up and I realize do. that was it's just a true. dream. Yes. And that's that's what this verse reminds me. All trials shall be like a dream that is past. You know, you wake up oh, and you realize good. it was just a dream. <laughs> yes. Yes. And all of your nightmares that you did experience on earth in reality are gone. The past is forgotten. And the heavens shall ring, and all tribes shall be in God's mind, but no longer in our mind. That, that's really hard to understand. But we'll forgot, we will have forgotten all troubles and mourning. And the word mourning there means sadness, not daytime right. mourning. Right. And all questions and doubts have been answered at last. Now... Do you think that's true, that all our questions we have here on earth will be answered in heaven? Oh, I th well, I, I, I think most of us like to think that, you know, that's a question I'm going to ask our Lord when I get up there. You know, I, uh, yes. I don't think I don't there'll be no sorrows. There'll be no tears. Uh, all those things, as it says, will be forgotten. Uh, any any qualms that troubled our soul on this earth will either be forgotten or we'll have answers for them uh, when we uh, when we arrive at heaven. It's kind of yeah, like that, you know, that illustration of the the, the grandmother that shows uh, the top side of the tapestry to the little girl who can just see the bottom. She sees all the tangles and the uh, the hanging threads, and then the grandmother turns over the tapestry, and then the granddaughter can see how it all works together beautifully. Yes, how it was put together. Yeah, yeah. that's... And that could be, for instance, 
many people have a question, even Christians, when someone dies very young, why did God allow that to happen? Whether that'll be answered in heaven or not, I don't know. I think you are kind of right that all these troubles will have been forgotten and we won't have that discomfort in heaven at all. Right. Everything will be resolved. The other thing that I think that not all our answers will be answered, all our questions, is because God is God. He has a mind way beyond any human being. So you know what I always say is the first question that I'm going to ask Gabriel. Why some and not others? <laughs> yeah. And I'm yeah, not sure I'm going to be able to discern his answer. That's the, what they call the crux theologorum. That's the, that's the question that has plagued theologians, theologians as long as we can remember. Why, why some are saved and others lost? We don't know. I, yet when we try and decide, we end up with all kinds of false doctrine. For example, right. if you decide that God saved those who had an attitude within them, that God said, that deserves being saved, then, by the way, that was a teaching of Melanchthon. I didn't realize that later in his life. And in fact, Formula of Concord number eight in our confessions speaks out against what Melanchthon was teaching there. Or yeah. another one is that you believe that people are saved who invite Christ into their heart that leads to a rejection of infant baptism because how can an infant invite anybody into their heart? So answering that question always leads to false teaching because the Bible doesn't give an answer. Whether we'll have an answer when we get to heaven, I don't know. But we do know it's totally, as you already mentioned, because of his mercy and grace and we have no understanding why some are saved and others are not. All right, stanza four. The heavens shall ring with an anthem more grand than ever on earth was recorded. The blessed of the Lord shall, shall receive at his hand the crown to the victors awarded. Have mercy upon us, O Jesus. Now, there's another good example where it seems to contradict Lutheran theology because it seems to be saying that the victors will get the crown. It will be awarded them. And in uh, the Philippians passage for this week, it says, Paul says that he's striving toward the prize. And when you look up the word prize, it sounds like something you deserve, an award, a crown, etc. But I'm uh, using uh, used an example in the sermon about the prize. There was an Olympic runner who was expected to win a race, and he didn't because halfway through the race, his leg went out on him and he could hardly hobble. A man ran out of the grandstands and held him up 
until they finished the finish line. The man was his father. And he got more applause when he crossed the finish line than the guy who had won the race. And that's what heaven is. You don't get to heaven unless you're carried by Jesus on his shoulders. That's right. We're all victors. We're all victors, but only in Christ. And we do receive a crown, but it's not something we deserve. It's Christ's crown that he places on your head in the same way that he is absolutely righteous. And there's that glorious exchange. What's that glorious exchange talking about, Mark? Well, it's talking about Jesus taking all of our sins upon himself and uh, suffering the cross. And uh, in, in exchange, he gives us his righteousness that he won for us on the cross. And he gives us that righteousness already in holy baptism. Yes. One of the things that Lanstead wrote in 1858, for me, whenever we gather to pray, we sing a psalm of penance. I believe it is right to do so as long as we are in this world. And that's because of all the pain and suffering he had endured. But that pain and suffering will be gone on the day of judgment. Okay. Yeah, any, more, any more comments on that last line, have mercy? You know, he, 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 he uses no, we're at the refrain. end of the hour. So okay. thanks so very much for being uh, tomorrow, we're going to be looking at C.F.W. Walther's, another point that he makes on law and gospel. And so we encourage you to be with us. 9.30 tomorrow, I'm Tom Baker and Mark Smith talking about a multitude comes from the East and the West. Till tomorrow, God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.